Father, we just have so much to be thankful for today, and Lord, we are we we're thankful for the opportunity to just stop and look back and just see your hand working in hearts and lives, and we're thankful for just you being faithful and allowing us to be faithful. Lord, faithfulness is not something that dwells within human nature. It's something that we borrow from you while we live in this earth. And Lord, we're thankful for your working in our hearts and our lives. We're thankful for giving us your word. We're thankful for the time that we can take here to study and to learn from it. Lord, we just thank you for caring for us, loving us, for just being a good God. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, we'll let the teens be dismissed to their class. And uh, tonight we have just just a picture here. And uh, we're just going to review it in a way just to start uh, on this again. And uh, it has been... A, a very busy time the last uh, two weeks, and um, when we got to Oklahoma City, there was just no time to breathe. The whole time we were there, just boop, 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 right, and then drive home, and, and uh, I think we finally got caught up on some of the paperwork that was left undone. But uh, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Exodus, Exodus, and uh, we have God giving uh, Moses the pattern and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the directions on how to make, how to build this thing that we call the Old Testament tabernacle. And if some of you remember, it's, it's been several years since we've gone through this. And this is a fairly detailed uh, uh, drawing, though there's no real uh, picture to it. It's just more of a diagram, actually, would be the best way to describe this. But it uh, gives us uh, an understanding somewhat of what uh, the tabernacle was. And please forgive me, for some reason I'm in the book of Genesis, still heading toward the front of the Bible for some strange reason. Um, Exodus and let's go to chapter, I believe, uh, 25 is where we're going to. And uh, in verses just there in chapter 25, excuse me. Uh, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red, and badger skin, and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod, in, and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. 
according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, this is the summary. God has given the command to the children of Israel that they are to take an offering. He lists the things that they are supposed to take. And it was from this offering that they built the tabernacle, which is diagrammed uh, on your paper here. But I want us to spend the time in verse 9. It says, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. And so God gave to Moses not only the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, not only the 603 other commandments that make up what we call the Old Testament law, He also gave Moses the pattern after which every item in the tabernacle was to be made. And um, this has been one of those things that I just love to study. And uh, I believe we've gone through the tabernacle twice in, in our 18 years here. And I'm hoping on Sunday nights for the foreseeable future that uh, we will do so again. I'm going to try to be uh, as uh, uh, in most of a summary tonight, but each part of this tabernacle illustrates in living color how we ought to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, the reason we call it a tabernacle uh, is because the word tabernacle simply means tent. Uh, there are many old, older churches uh, back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, that name tabernacle was very, very popular to name the church. Uh, you might call it Tabernacle Baptist Church. Sometimes they would call it uh, such and such Baptist Tabernacle. And uh, the word simply means tent, and that's really not the best name for a church because the church is not a temporary dwelling. Uh, the church is the body of Christ, amen? But uh, the idea is what we do here on earth is temporary, and this was a tent. How many of you have ever spent the night in a tent? Okay. Uh, the thing you're supposed to do is you... Uh, take that tent and it comes in a little box or maybe you put it in your knapsack if you're backpacking through the wilderness. You pull out the tent and you set it up wherever you want to set it up. And you better be careful where you set up your tent. Uh, don't set up your tent at the bottom of a hill. Especially if it's going to rain. Because all the rain will run down off that hill and into your tent. Uh, I speak from personal experience. Uh, and you can wake up in the middle of the night with six inches of water inside the tent. That's just really not what you want. But the idea of a tent is it's portable. It goes with you. The tabernacle traveled with the children of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. Now, why were they wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? 
because they were disobedient to the commands of God. Now, what do we tell our children oftentimes when they're disobedient? You go into your room and you stay there. Just get out of my sight. Give me a little break here. Did God do that with the nation of Israel? Oh, the tabernacle stayed with them for 40 years in the wilderness. Isn't there a wonderful lesson to learn there? God goes with us wherever we go. Now, if you'll look at your diagram here, you'll probably immediately notice that it's really backwards the way it ought to be. But the eastern gate always pointed to the east. The tabernacle was like the point on a compass. Wherever the tabernacle was set up, no matter uh, where it was, the tabernacle always faced to the east. The direction of the sun coming up in the morning. You know what? The tabernacle, God's Word, God Himself never changes direction. His Word is what sets our direction. Amen? And this is some of the things that God uh, uh, is trying to teach us. The tabernacle was temporary. It is not permanent. It went with them wherever they went. It was meant to be packed up, carried along, set up wherever they happened to be. But the tabernacle always faced the same direction. Now, one of the things that we're going to spend some time on as we go through the tabernacle is this idea of separation or holiness. God is a holy God. Now, that word holy means special or separate. God was not, did not just have a tent like everyone else's tent. His tent was separated. If you can read there, it looks like it got chopped just a little bit, the words itself, but the hanging of the court was a linen fence nearly seven feet tall. You could not look over it. You could not climb it. You could not slip under it. It was meant to separate the place where God was from the place that everybody else was. How many times in those 40 years did God tell Moses, get out of my way that I may consume them in a moment because of their sin. And, and God did consume many of the children of Israel because of their sins against God through different plagues and, and things that He brought upon them. But that hanging was an, uh, that went around was a constant reminder. Only the sons of Aaron, only the Levites, got into that gate. If you or I were living as part of Israel in this day, the closest that we would get is right there at the gate. And uh, it... It may have been that the brazen altar and everything was closer to the gate than it is in our diagram, but we'll just make the separation there. But if we could, and by the way, as part of the children of Israel, 
we weren't allowed, unless you were one of Aaron's sons, you weren't allowed to even come through that gate. You, that's where you would be stopped. The first thing that you would see if you came inside would be the brazen altar. Now, Jewish tradition says that God started the fire on that brazen altar and that that fire was not put out until Nebuchadnezzar's army sacked the temple in 600 B.C. Now, it was about 1800 and some odd years, in 1840-something, according to, I think it's Usher's chronology, when God gave Moses the, the commandments at Mount Sinai and brought them into the land of Egypt. That would meant that that fire would have been burning continually on that brazen altar for 1,200 years. Does that just kind of go, wow? But that brazen altar was brass overlaid of wood. And the brass was to protect the wood from the fire that would ever be burning on that altar. And uh, we'll get into the typology. Wood uh, is a picture of the nature of man. Wherever you see wood in the tabernacle, you will see human nature. Where you see brass, you see God's judgment. Where you see gold, you see the presence of God. Where you see silver, it is what we would call discernment or the difference between, not between right and wrong, but the difference between what is better and what is best. It's interesting that the brazen labor where the priest was supposed to wash himself and to cleanse himself from the, from the dirt and from the uh, things that would get on his hands as he would handle the sacrifices, was made completely out of brass, no wood in it at all. And yet we read in Ephesians 5 about the washing of the water of the Word. Amen? We read in James chapter 1 that it's a mirror that we are to look into. And we can see what is wrong that we may fix it. Yet when we come into the tabernacle itself, we'll see the table of showbread. Jesus said what? I am the bread of life. Gold, deity, wood, humanity. We see the Lord Jesus Christ, pictured in the table of showbread. Yet when we go across the holy place to the golden candlestick, the candlestick is made solidly of gold, no wood whatsoever. Because there's no light in the nature of man, only in what God gives us. God says, let there be light in creation. We learned about that in Sunday school this morning. It is the golden candlestick. It is God's presence alone that gives us light. As we move back into the holy place, closer to the holy of holies, we have the altar of incense, which again, gold over top of wood. It tells us that Jesus Christ maketh intercession for you and I. It is a picture of the prayers of the saints. In the Old Testament tabernacle, 
There was always a veil that stood between the holy place and the holy of holies. The Ark of the Covenant, um, I hope that you're not a, um, I can't remember, Indiana Jones, that's his name. I hope we have no Indiana Jones fans here. Uh, He was supposed to have found the missing Ark. Lie, total fraud, never happened. Uh, No one knows where the Ark of the Covenant is. Uh, Some people believe that they will find the Ark of the Covenant and that will be the, the cornerstone or the key that unlocks the door to the um, rebuilding of the Jewish temple. But the second temple did not have the Ark of the Covenant in it. So it's not necessary to have the Ark of the Covenant to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. We do not know what God's plans are exactly for that, but the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box overlaid in gold and it contained the Word of God. Is that not a perfect picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? His name is the Word. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the lid of the Ark was what is called the mercy seat, which was a solid piece of gold No wood in it whatsoever. It was beaten out of one piece of gold. Gold is one of the most malleable or shapeable metals known to mankind. And um, they they took that gold and made a lid or a covering for the, the Ark of the Tabernacle. And then there was an empty space in the center of that where the cherubim or the form of these angels came up and covered it. That was called the mercy seat. And what God said twice in His Word in Exodus chapter 30, He said, Where I will meet with thee. God said, I'm going to meet you. The holy God, the creator God of the universe, will meet sinful man at a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. I just love the pictures there and the truth that is there. And as we go through, we'll see that I believe the mercy seat is a picture, representation of the throne of God. Now, have you ever wondered where Moses got the patterns from which to make what he made? Well, the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 9 that... The things on earth were the patterns of the real things in heaven. So apparently God opened Moses' eyes or just opened the door to heaven a little bit and allowed Moses to see the real things that were in heaven so that he could explain to uh, the men that built, the actually made the items of the tabernacle how they were supposed to make them. God had all of these things planned. And He put all of this together in such a way. And there was quite a ceremony that is attached to each one of the things that are pictured or diagrammed in your diagram here for a specific reason. He wanted to, wants to teach us 
about a different part of our relationship with God. Everything from the clothes you wear, to the way you think, to the food you eat, to the everything about you is pictured here. And we'll be going through this. And I want you to pray with me. I do have a tendency to be very tedious. And I love to examine little tiny details because we learn so much when we do so. But I want to keep it moving too so that you don't go to sleep on me. And I know Miss Maria said she never goes to sleep, but I know a lot of other people that do. I can see from up here. And... But uh, I, I never complain about people sleeping in church because I used to work the night shift when I was in school. I'd get off at 7.30 in the morning and then have to go to church. And, and so I can't tell you that I never slept in church because I slept just about everywhere sometime or another. But um, the, the simple thing is I want you to pray that we can go through this once again and, and learn... And, and be uh, encouraged in our walk with the Lord. Now, I'm going to take just a few minutes and try to be shorter tonight than maybe we would be other times. But just to give you an example of how we can apply this Old Testament tabernacle to our daily life. Number one... You could not come through the eastern gate until you were a priest. Not only a priest, you had to be a sanctified priest. Meaning you had to have the anointing oil on you. You had to spend seven days living in the court of the tabernacle before your sanctification process was complete. And so many times... We say, well, I've got a few minutes. I'm just going to do my devotions. Um, Peter, there was uh, someone in the lobby there. You may, I think they may need to be directed downstairs. But... Um, so oftentimes we, we say, I got a few extra minutes, let me do my devotions. And we wonder why we don't get very much out of our devotions as we read the Bible while we're doing other things or running between. We need to make some special time to spend with God. Time that is holy, that belongs to God. That is the idea. And if we're going to approach to God, we must approach to Him His way. It's not our way. The first thing we face is the brazen altar. Let me ask you, when is the last time you prayed that God would take your visions, your plans, your wishes, your life and burn it up on the altar? That's something that we need to pray for daily. That's what Jesus meant when He said... Take up your cross and follow me. He's talking about the death of self. And it is not until we get past ourselves that we ever find out what God has for us. 
We've got to pray. God, let me surrender my plans, my wishes, my ideas, my hopes, my future, my desires. Take them. It is the embers from the brazen altar that burns the incense on the altar of incense. It is the embers from the death of ourselves that ought to fire our prayer life. Tell you what, that would put some fervency into our prayers, wouldn't it? You have to have the right kind of fire. Does anybody remember what happened to two sons of Aaron who offered strange fire on that altar? God killed them immediately. And our prayers, if they are not... If we don't stop at that brazen altar and get rid of self, we're not going any further. But that brazen labor is the next thing. You know, as we try to serve God, in our service for the Lord, we are going to do wrong things. That's what the brazen labor is about. It's about that washing of the water of the Word. It's about being able to look into the pages of this book called the Bible and see ourselves for who we really are. And then get it fixed. Amen? I know that they have these special mirrors for ladies. And unfortunately, there's some guys that use them too. And it shows every imperfection in what you're supposed to do is cover it all up with makeup. And uh, listen, that's not what the Word of God is about. It shows us what's wrong. But then we wash it away with the water of the Word. Guess what? You don't get into the Holy of Holies until you've washed it to brazen labor. So, it would be Lord, give me time today to spend with You. Time that I can dedicate to You. Lord, help me get rid of myself. Help me surrender my ideas. Don't let me tell You what I want You to do. I want You to tell me what You want to do. Lord, show me my sin. Show me the problems in my life. Show me what You want to work on. Then we get to the part that we like. Lord, feed me. That's what the table of showbread is about. Amen? If I'm going to serve God through His energy and through His work, I'd better get my energy from what He feeds me with. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I know I'm skipping parts of it there. But this is what it's talking about. How many of you have ever had a problem with seeing clearly? I mean, we all have from time to time. And the most difficult things to see are often what goes on between human beings now, isn't it? I just couldn't see it coming. I didn't see the signs. I, sh- I wish I would have been a little more aware of what is going on around me. Listen, that candlestick gives light so that we can see what God wants me to see. 
how in the world should I behave in this crazy world in which we live? I mean, you, if you listen to Harold Camping, you'd be running for the hills and trying to get ready for the world to end, right? But because we have the light of the Scriptures, we know Mr. Camping is a nutcase and, and does not deserve to be mentioned or listened to. The altar of incense. This is the difference between praying and saying prayers. Is my desires are dead. My hands are clean. I am full of His Word. I am seeing by His light. Do you think I might know how to pray now? See how easily this thing adapts to your daily living And by the way, we're going to stop here because this is all the farther the Christian ever gets. Because the blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat by our high priest, which is Jesus Christ. And as we stop at the altar of incense, we can be reminded of our blessed assurance that Jesus is my Savior forever, not because of what I've done, but because the work is finished. Amen? I can know that God hears my prayer because it's no longer my prayer. I got rid of me at the brazen altar. It's His prayer. This is what God wants to teach us as we go through the tabernacle. And there are many, many more things uh, that... I'm just giving you an overview here, a summary. And I I want us to spend time because God put all of these sacrifices and these rituals in His Word for a reason. He wants to teach us more about Himself. All God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that You would help us as we study Your Word, as we study this... uh, thing that we call the Old Testament tabernacle, Lord, truly, uh, it's a study in your holiness. And Lord, we ask that you would help us, that you would give us wisdom, uh, Lord, that you would give me ability to teach in such a way as to keep the lessons new and fresh and that we would learn. Lord, I pray for the life of each one of us here that we would take at what we learn and use it to help us to draw closer to Thee. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment, if anybody would like to spend a moment at the altar, uh, or just praying there in your seat, it is, take just a moment, then we'll say amen and get into our prayer time.